Oh, Cupid, it's so late. I could curl up right now for a snoozeroo. But I won't. I need to stay awake to talk to Postacles. Oh, I need to find out how the mail gets in and out of this terrible void so that we can escape. Oh, but I'm so tired. You know what I need? <coughs> well, yes, I do need a new pot of tea, but I also need something to do. Let's record an episode right now. Play the theme. Hello, you must be looking for love. This is Wizard Seeking Wizard. Welcome back to the dating show for wizards by wizards. I'm your host, Chemistro the Matchmage, and with me as always is my friend and familiar, Cupid the Hawk. I am hmm, recording this episode in an effort to stay awake so that I can speak with my post-wizard, who apparently only comes when I'm asleep, to find out how the mail gets in and out of this terrible, swirling void so that I may, myself, get out of this terrible, swirling void wherein I float in my crystal prison. So, prepare yourself for the sorcery to end snorcery, the stimulant of the somnambulant, the welcomed break for the still awake, where you get to vote on which mages meet, the one and only wizard-seeking wizard! Since it's late and the tempestuous energy of the more intense wizard relationship types would, if I'm being honest, be a little too much for me, tonight we shall be focusing on wizard friendship. When you're short a player for Settlers of Abracatan, when you have some hot gas about the necromancer down the way who's dating his own skeleton, when your familiar swallows a mermaid bone and you need a ride to the crypto-veterinarian, who do you turn to? Your friends. For what could be more eternal than the everlasting bonds of friendship between wizards? Uh, probably some kind of eternal thought being birthed from a cosmic egg? Uh, but other than that, uh, well, lots of stuff, actually. Especially if one of you betrays the other. Uh, but, but I digress. The will workers you're about to hear on tonight's program are sad little wizzos looking to make that most basic and necessary of connections. Let's lend them a hand. Together. Let me just get a pot of tea manifested, and we'll dive right in. Flesiadlif here, Oh, let's hope our first act is less bitter than this tea. Now, listeners, remember to pay close attention to our wizard ads, for I will be asking you to vote on which wizards shall date at the end of this episode. Our first wizard looking for friendship is Zortho the Unkillable. Zortho sent me this little cuckoo clock with his ad inside. 
it's been playing every hour on the hour and if I'm honest it's driving me nuts we're coming up on midnight so it should play any moment now hello I am Zortho the Unkillable, and I seek companionship. You may be wondering about my name. Let me assure you, I have never been killed. In fact, my power is so unquestioned that none have ever attempted to kill me. Proof positive. As for Zortho, it was my grandfather's. My occulted studies lie in the paired realms of time and causality. The greatest mystery is whether these will end and what shape such an end may take. I intend to live to see the answer myself. I've realized this may well be a lonely time, and now set myself to the challenge of seeking the like-minded, the curious, the driven, the mystic. These are the companions I seek. I also dig cool tattoos. but. This is no work posting for an intern, no. I know well the arcane strengths of reciprocity. As you can see, my goals have left me with nothing but time. <laughs> time that I would be happy to set assisting you in pursuing your dreams. My greatest skills lie in helicopter maintenance, the shamisen, and rewiring my brain chemistry to instantly learn new skills. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I hope we may find ourselves compatible and arrange a meeting soon. And, on the remote possibility this is all a ruse and you intend to kill me, waste not your time! Ah, sweet silence. And nothing personal there, Zortho. I'm just tired and therefore filled with a tremendous hatred of cuckoo clocks. It sounds like you have quite the rich internal life. The only thing I can program a brain to do is scream. Uh, your talk of helicopter maintenance makes me think just, oh, how am I going to get this sphere to wherever it is that the mail goes through, even once we know where it is? It's not like I have some sort of propulsion system like Postocles did with their little jetpack on their little pressure suit. And I'd need to get it on the outside of the sphere if I did. That crack in the wall is barely big enough for Cupid to squeeze out. Much less me. Hmm. Cupid. Perhaps there's something there. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's get another personal ad queued up for you. This next wizard is Fredrigar of the Hundred Thousand Tomes, and you guessed it, his ad is inside a tome. I get it, it's a theme, but maybe switch it up. Try something that you've read in a tome or something. I don't mean to be rude, it's just that Booker, my little talking book buddy, has been acting out lately, and when he saw me with another tome, he got all possessive and weird about it, and... Now he's been sulking somewhere on the shelves. You like him more than me. <sighs> Fredrigar, I hope that your tomes are less of a handful than mine are. Well, let's open this ad up. Greetings, fellow wizards. It is I, Fredrigar of the Hundred Thousand Tomes. 
You, of course, may call me Fredegar. When we've gotten to know each other, Fred is fine. I had a rival call me Gar a few times, but that didn't really stick. Of course, back in college, the guys used to call me Deg. Ah, that was a wild time. But about myself, I'm six foot one, muscular frame, comes from carrying all those tomes different places. Mid-fifties, dark black hair, salt and pepper Van Dyke beard, brown eyes. I usually wear contacts as I am nearsighted. It comes from reading so many tomes. I like my coffee sweet and black. My comedic tastes run towards slapstick and farce. And I'd crawl over glass for a good tiramisu. Magically, I cast exclusively spells from tomes. Uh, no disrespect for any of you chaos magic types or artificers or what have you. That's just my practice. You do you. Who would I like to find here? Well, I don't want to put limits on it too soon. A new friend, a new colleague, a research assistant. Even just someone who likes to lend and borrow tomes of magic. Any of these would enrich my life. But yes, I am also looking for love. My last relationship ended two years ago. There was an ultimatum, an unreasonable demand. I am not Fredegar of the 200 tastefully curated volumes. Look, it's not anything as stark as love me, love my tomes, but the fact of the matter is that my collection is central to who I am, and any partner who would want me to put that aside doesn't really understand or accept me for me. All right, on to the important part. The tomes. The first question is always the same, so... Literally, exactly 100,000? Actually, it's a bit more than 100,000. The last time I was able to find the Tome of Counting Spells, I had 116,294. Since then, I've lost or sold a few dozen and acquired several hundred. So, 100,000 is more an order of magnitude, but I don't like to fall beneath it. Uh, now, when I say Tome, I mean anything that could be a book. I've got ebooks, mass market paperbacks, incunabulae, manuscripts on parchment, vellum, and papyrus, scrolls, codices, quartos, folios, octavos, and even a few clay tablets. Most of them are of a magical subject matter, but I also have a decent collection of spy thrillers, DIY home improvement guides, and the entire collected works of Berkeley Breathed cartoonist and author of Bloom County, Outland, and Opus. As you can imagine, storage is an issue. I inherited a three-family house in the greater Boston area from my great-uncle, Forbashar the Eclectic. I rent out the first floor. The third floor is entirely filled with books. I live on the second floor, which also contains a great many books. A good chunk of my collection is in one of those long-term storage rental places. It was quite the chore finding one that could be properly environment-proofed for my tomes. If I recall correctly, there's a spell that could solve many of my problems in the Tome of Pocket Dimensions, but I can't seem to locate it. I was so sure I'd put it in the tall stack near the oak bookcase on the third floor, but I'd gone through it a few times, and anyway, as you can imagine... 
finding any one particular tome at any given time is a bit of a crapshoot. But enough about me. Let's talk about you. I'm hoping you're also a wizard of some kind, of course. If you're a librarian or a skilled research assistant, so much the better. I could really use some help organizing around here. I had a useful pamphlet for summoning helpers, but I put it down at some point and haven't found it since. And maybe we'll get to know each other better, and things might turn more intimate. In that case, we could try out a few pages from the Tome of Fleshly Ecstasies, which I'm pretty sure is one of the ones I have stuck under the bed. I need to poke around there with a broomstick or something. Anyway, I look forward to meeting you. I'm not ignoring you. I have to pay attention to the ads. I hate you. You're not my real dad. Then who is? Your author? Your printer? The man who pulped the wood to make your pages? How do we even define the concept? It's nebulous at best. Go to your shelf. I wish I was a VHS. He doesn't mean that. I'm sorry, listeners. Puberty is tough on a book. The other night, I caught him talking about dystopias and allegories and a book that's in all of the genres instead of just one. Really cliched stuff. (sighs) I shouldn't lose my temper with him like that. I'll make him some hot ink later and we'll hug it out. Fredrigar, your books seem much lower maintenance than mine, though I have to say that your needs are quite in-depth. I wish your ad had reached me earlier. Why, there have been so many bibliomancers. But my hands are tied. Uh, Speaking of bonds, uh, perhaps now would be a good time to check in on our collaborators from last episode. You all voted to pair Clatalon, the gilded wizard of bindings and his many skeletal sons, with Merigan the Transfigurer, who is currently three sunflowers in a vase. As it turns out, uh, Clatalon's bony sons were quite interested in learning the transfiguring arts, so the two of them met up to see what sort of apprenticeship could be made. I hope it went well. A little bee flew in earlier to summarize the date, and I have to say, I am eager to hear him out. How are you, little bee? Oh, you have a message for me? Yeah, yes, I know. Oh, wait, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? Ah, 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 my eye! You stung me in the eye! Oh, wait. I can see. I can see. A wizard date! Hello there, listeners. It's me, Merigon the Transfigurer, calling in for the post-date update for Chemistro the Matchmage and his godforsaken podcast. It's been a few days since I met up with Clatalon, the Gilded Wizard of Bindings, and as you'll see, I've had better days, folks. Much better days. I have to say, I was very excited when I heard that I'd been matched with Merigund. I mean, Merigund the Transmuter? Who hasn't heard of him? I'd have agreed to do this just to meet him, let alone have him agree to a private tutoring session for my sons. I persuaded Clatalon to meet me at a bed, bath, and beyond. Because as you'll recall, I have turned myself into a fragile vase of sunflowers, and I wanted to be surrounded by soft things in case I got dropped. We agreed to find each other in the Wizards Only Beyond department of the store, where they keep the flying carpets, the gliding towels, and the slightly levitating garlic presses and whatnot. 
Getting there was pretty painless, even on a Saturday. The nice part about getting around on a massive storm cloud summoned by the aid of your skeleton army is that you don't have to worry about parking. I had my goblin adorn my vase with a bow tie for the occasion, and he carried me to the department store. It was easy to spot Clatalon, as he was the only wizard chaperoning eleven skeletons. I will admit, things started out a bit rough. My goblin and I approached, and I realized to my embarrassment that Clatalon and I were wearing the same bow tie. They had a sale on those little animatronic flower vases with the motion sensors. You know, the ones that'll do a little song and dance if someone comes near them. And bad sign number two is that Clatalon was already talking to a completely different vase of sunflowers, which he thought was me. I had finished introducing all ten of my boys by the time I realized it wasn't him. Idiot. I mean, really. And when I did find him, it turns out we were wearing the same bow tie. But hey, great minds, you know. I was determined not to let it put me off my stride. So the agreement was that I would try to teach his skeleton son some transfiguration, and if things worked out, I'd accompany him back to his school to tutor the skeletons while they worked on transforming me back. When I sent out my cry for help to Wizard-seeking Wizard, I was expecting some more mature students. I mean, these were some real rambunctious bony boys here. But on the other hand, skeletons can't feel pain if there's an accident. Not physical pain, at least. Anyway, the rules of this podcast say I have to try with the date I've got, so I roll with this. He seemed a little impatient, so we jumped right into it. He started off teaching the boys some basic day one transmutation. Turning lead to gold. Even I can do that, and I've never been good at transmutation. A lot of people think that doing this is some big alchemical mystery magic, but for a student of transfiguration, it's really day one simple stuff. It's two raw elements just moving some protons around. This is why all wizards of transfiguration are rich. Gold's like candy to us. For Kanatressa the Ogre Mage, gold was literally what she ate for dessert. Luckily, sous vide cauldrons were on sale, so we had plenty to practice on. Aragon was so nice, he even offered to foot the bill for our practice materials. We got all the boys lined up and got them practicing. Now, I don't want to say anything untoward about a fellow teacher, but... Perhaps he could have read the room a little better. And of course I'm screwing it up, because I keep saying bodily things like Feel the blood rushing to your fingers, and close your eyes that mean nothing to a skeleton. Scopula's always been a little insecure about the whole not having organs thing. We try this for what feels like an hour, and then finally we see an inkling of promise in two of the skeletons, twins named Tibio and Fibio. Tibio's a very diligent student, and pretty quickly he figured out that changing lead to gold is just a matter of a few protons and had it down. Fibio's a creative soul, and he learned how to turn lead into extremely hot lead. I'm still very proud of him. Now, unfortunately, Tibio may have let things go a little to his head. Skull. And he starts turning all sorts of stuff into gold. I guess when you're young, there's still an element of novelty in turning things to gold, before it becomes one of those things you just have to do periodically, like mowing the lawn, clearing the effluviant drains in your lab, and exercising the piss demons from your septic tank. So he goes off and starts blasting around, turning things to gold, even things that maybe shouldn't be gold, like other shoppers and load-bearing structures. 
Meanwhile, Fibio turns the cauldron into extremely hot lead and destroys a bunch of other sous vide cauldrons. None of this matters, I'm super rich and this is all on my tab, but the point is that these kids have promise. There are nine other skeletons I'm supposed to be tutoring to, so I just have them move things around in order to align the area for transfiguration, which is some bullshit I made up right there. If a wizard ever tells you they need to align things, they're either killing time or gouging you for money. Magic doesn't care about your interior decoration. Merigund definitely singled out the twins by now. I tried to explain to him that they've always been close. Tibio's the ambitious and dedicated one, while Fibio's the class clown. I try to encourage them to find their own identities. Twins have always had powerful magic tendencies and they always become rivals. It's basically a law of magic. Now, maybe he meant it as a joke, but I've read Jansen Jellicle's Corpus Principia Parentorum Arcanum twice, and he concluded that it's just a social construct and not a terrible curse laid upon wizard kind for our unending hubris. He even has footnotes. Does Merigund have footnotes? No, he does not. I've got a twin named Jerigund, and he's a real dick, so there's your data point. Merrigan got distracted at this point, ranting about his twin, which I thought set a bad example for the boys, so I set them to what I call an interdisciplinary exercise, making the cauldrons walk. It's a little closer to what I ultimately need, which is turning me back into a man. Now, Tibio at this point is able to give his cauldron cat legs, which is like 80% of the way there. But Fibio, oh Fibio, at this point manages to transform his brother Ribchard into a real boy. Flesh and organs and everything, naked in the middle of the bed, bath, and beyond. This is my nightmare. If I wanted a family of real, alive boys, I would have made one. I made skeletons for a reason. If my boy is alive, that means he can die, and I am not emotionally equipped to handle that. Now we are cooking. This is a disaster for me. The entire rest of my weekend is gone. I'm going to have to debone him and scrape him down and find a kettle large enough to boil a whole skeleton at once. And if I don't do a good job of it, then the sinews and gristles are just impossible to get out. So I had to bustle him out of there and make him a rough toga out of bed sheets before he started doing puberty all over the place. While Clatalon goes off to find Ripjog or some sheets to cover himself, I have Tibio and Fibio try a really advanced move. I ask them to turn my goblin into a birdbath. Now before you get all angry at me, I should tell you that my goblin started out as a birdbath. I turned the birdbath into a goblin in the first place. My goblin has seen a lot of things over the years and they've always been pleasant for him. He's seen and done things most birdbaths never dream of. Because they can't dream. So consider that before you send me any angry letters about ethics. I'm not sure what happened while I was gone, but when I got back, things had really gone to wizard hell. Part of the store was collapsing from having its structural supports turned into gold, and the other half was, for some reason, a colossal shambling monstrosity of flesh and eyes and screaming mouths. I thought it was best not to ask. So I just rallied the boys and we blasted our way out. Not sure where Merrigan got to. I didn't see him. I'm sure he's fine. He's got his goblin to help him escape. And here's where things went off the rails. Tibio, dear Tibio, managed to turn my goblin not only into a birdbath, but a much fancier birdbath than he ever was. So nice a birdbath, in fact, that a nearby Bed Bath & Beyond employee assumed he was a piece of merchandise and carried him away. 
Then, then he came back for me, carried me all the way over to the bed and bath section, and put me on a shelf with some other vases. I was screaming for him to stop, but this idiot had his AirPods in his ears, and he couldn't hear a damn thing. The skeletons are back in the beyond doing who knows what, my goblin is no more, and I, Maragon the Transfigurer, have been reduced to mere merchandise. Within minutes, a non-magical woman puts me up, places me in her shopping cart, and that's it for old Maragond. How do I feel about the day? Well, I was thrilled to see my two boys excel in a school of magic I didn't. It's every parent's dream to see their children surpass them. But unfortunately, now they've locked themselves in towers at opposite ends of the college and sworn eternal enmity, which is not covered in what to expect when you're expecting skeletons. I'm hoping some group therapy sessions will help smooth things out. I am sending you this from the kitchen table at 224 Pine Street, Apartment 2, in Kenningsboro, Massachusetts. I am a vase of sunflowers in the home of a young family who have no idea that one of the most powerful wizards in the world is trapped in their domicile. They have not yet questioned why my sunflowers never seem to wilt, even if they forget to water me, but I don't know how long that's going to last. If any of you can help, any of you, even Jerrigund if you're listening, please rescue me. But no, 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 if you're clad on the Gilded Wizard of Bindings or Chemistro the Matchmage, do not come to help. I don't want to see you again. Overall, though, it went fine. I've had a very tumultuous dating history. Honestly, this doesn't even make the top five. Would I see Merrigan again? Sure. F*** Chemistro, f*** Cladalon, f*** Tibio and Fibio, and f*** Wizard Seeking Wizard. I just hope he doesn't think I abandoned him. This is why people say that there are too many podcasts like this. Oh, I'm trapped in an orb. Oh, I have to make a podcast. I'm so bored. Stop it, Chemistro. The only nice thing about this kitchen table is that there is a window. And sometimes on warm days, a little bee comes and nestles in my petals. That's very nice. In fact, I've transmitted this update into the mind of the bee. Fly away, little bee and bring my tidings to Chemistro in his orb. Tell him everything, and then sting him in the eye. He's probably fine. Boy, he wasn't kidding. Oh, that's smart. Well, little bee, you've done what you set out to do. Cupid. Sick Semper Bombus. No one stings Chemistro and gets away with it. Good work, Cupid. <coughs> Our first bad date on the show. Honestly, it's a bit of a relief. And hey, dating's complicated. Sometimes you get the treasure, sometimes you're the withered mummy whose soul has been forever bound within the chest. I just wish I'd remembered to have them sign a waiver. Well, what's Merrigan gonna do, pollinate me in court? Now, Cupid, how's about you cut us to a promo while I get some eye drops and you digest that traitorous bee? Oh, hello. Welcome to the Goblin's Head. What can I get you? Coming right up. There you are. What's that? Oh, you want to know about adventurers. Are you looking to hire one or become one? 
Just the information. Yes, we do get plenty of adventurers through here. Lots of folks off on quests or selling their services, but I admit those five uh, over there in the corner, they are a bit special. Why? Well, there comes a point where an adventurer turns into a hero, doesn't there? Oh, them in particular. They've got quite the story. They didn't like each other very much at the beginning, but since then they've grown quite close. At least I think that's the case. They do still argue often. When they're not bringing wild animals in here, or summoning magical creatures into the dining room, or casting spells that is... Honestly, the building can only take so much... Oh, what's that? I wouldn't like to tell the tales. Uh, everything I know is secondhand. I'm always here, see. I only hear what they say while they're at the inn. Where can you learn more? I suppose you'll have to ask them. Is there anything else I can get you? In Between. That's in with two ends. A story of the adventure between the adventures. Find us on a podcatcher near you, or at thegoblinshead.com. Thank you, Cupid. Now, my sweet, sweet hawk, I need to ask of you the greatest of favors. You see, we are going to need to move this big ball of crystal, and only you can fit through the crack once I unplug it. Now, Obviously, you're too small as you are now, so we need to take a page out of Merrigan's book and find a way to transform you once you're out there into some beast that can shift this weight. So let's try out a few forms for you with our spell of the week. If uh, you're all right with that, that is. You'll have all the pizza you can eat when we're free, my fine feathered friend. Now then. Let's find ourselves a spell. Booker? Apologize first. Now? We're taping. Apologize or I'm not opening. I'm sorry. Sorry for? For not reading you? And? For, um, uh, I don't know. You're going to have to tell me this one. For bringing me to life in the first place, Dad. You said I wasn't your real father. Well, I didn't mean it. Well, I'm not sorry for giving you life. You're not? Of course not. I love you. You do? Booker, you will make this big crystal orb feel so much less empty. You're my little page, pal, and I'm glad I gave you a twisted semblance of life through unnatural magics. I love you too, Dad. Well, then come and give your old man a hug. Okay. Come here, bud. Now, let's see. Transfiguration. Are you reading me? I can read and hug at the same time. I'm getting mixed messages, Dad. You'll understand when you have books of your own. Ah, here we go. A spell for Cupid. We're going to need to destabilize his form and add in the energies of others to give him a new shape. Once we find the right one, we'll stabilize it and he'll be able to change back and forth whenever he needs. Hmm. It looks like I'll be needing a few components. A, a leaf that's seen all the seasons twice. Splinter from Pinocchio's nose. Oh, gotta make sure to check it's still fresh. I am not a wizard. 
Uh, yep, that's still good. And finally, the weird feeling you get when you step on a broken escalator. Uh, there should be some in that jar over there. Great! Now let's just get Cupid in the mixer. Cupid, can you fly into this vortex, please? Fantastico! Now the chant. Bad you. My goodness, Cupid! It's like your very outline's been removed. You're all shifty and wobbly. He looks like a big blob of color in the shape of a bird. Cool. You won't be feeling weird for too long, Cupid. All we need to do now is add some wizard relationship energy and your morphic matrix should shift accordingly. So, let's set up some ads for you, eh, old chum? Now, our next ad... Aren't you forgetting something? Um, not to my knowledge. You mentioned earlier that you were going to make things up to me with some hot ink. Right now? I was gonna pass it up, but then you read me when we were supposed to be hugging. All right, all right. You have a point, but your old man has a podcast to run. I need to set up this next ad. I can do it. What? Are you sure you're up for that? My first memory is writing down everything you said as you hosted the show. Well, all right. And I'll just be in the kitchen if you need me. They grow up so fast. I've got this! Damn. Our next wizard ad comes from Elgior Hoskins, who is a senior at the University of Odd and not a book. This ad seems to be in some kind of stick with go inside. It says to crack it for the ad. Hmm. There may be a problem, what with my lack of hands. Let me just get it in my pages. <laughs> Oh my god, is this thing, like, on? Uh, okay. Hi, my name is Yashur, pronounced like Dior. I'm a necromancer looking for some new besties, because having an entourage of the undead is great and all, but they don't have brains, so they all can't really think for themselves yet. But I'm looking for fun, thrill-seeking baddies who aren't afraid to take trips to the underworld. Um, a way to describe myself? Okay. Hear me out. Think Bratz Rock Angel meets Susan the Banshee meets the genre music hyperpop. They all come together and then it has a baby. That's me. My dad was the lich and he wanted me to like defy death by magical means and rule the world with chaotic power. Whatever that means. But my mom is a total normie. She wants me to figure out my purpose so insisted I think about it after college. It's so lame. My life is more active at night, though. Uh, I can never say no to a trip into town, shopping, a bite to eat, or riding around town during the daytime. I own a Vespa with a sidecar, so don't ever be afraid to ask for a ride. But at night, I thrive and all my power is at an all-time high. I host parties with other fellow DJs and rappers. You've probably heard of, like, Little Ooze and Berserk, Oh Trixie the Mixie, A Hundred Goblins or Tyler the Creature. 
yeah we all go way back so don't worry i'll introduce you i love connections so yeah i use my powers to bring the dead back to life so everyone can join in the sensation of a good time so why don't you add me on all my socials and hit me up and let's hang babe you sound cool if you ever want to hang out with a book i love the nightlife too but it does make it hard to read me which i like because i'm more than just the contents of my pages i'm a cool mean badass hardcover and i don't take no guff here's your hot ink my pampered little pamphlet don't worry i let it cool so it doesn't burn your bookmark dad you're embarrassing me! What? Oh, did you want some marshmallows? Oh, let me get that. Abracamallow! Dad! Now, how's about you let me get back to hosting and you can go cuddle up with your little stuffed bookworm? Dad, you gotta delete this part from the podcast. I want people to think I'm cool. Okay, buddy. I promise to do exactly that. Now get clear! I need to use the vibes from Elgior's ad to transform Cupid. An owl! Cupid, this won't do! An owl can't pull this sphere! I think he looks distinguished. Well, all owls look distinguished. It's an owl thing. Cupid, your outline is still blurred, so... Maybe the next ad will give us the oomph-a-doomph-a we need to give you a form that can pull this orb. Our next message here is from, uh, let's see. Ah! Quartz. Quartz's personal ad has come to me via my old rotary seashellophone. I haven't used this old relic in ages. Hmm. How does this work again? Let's try holding it to my ear, maybe. Nope, just the ocean. Hmm. Oh, a little hermit crab has scuttled out of the shell. Hello, little crab. Wait, what's that in its pincers? Oh, oh, it's setting up a tiny little stool and microphone. Why, it's going to do a little spoken word performance. Lay it all down, my crustacean crooner. Oh, it has started to glow. That's promising. Maybe the merchant wasn't lying when he said this seashell sends messages throughout time and space. Hello. My name is Quartz. I'm an elementalist who has lived quite long by human standards. I can remember as far back as almost half a millennia, I want to say. Though I've only been in my present form for 19 years. Uh, how do I say it? At, at the moment, I share uh, hab- habitants of the body of a 35-year-old human male. Uh, he, he agreed to it. I do try to keep my form as an, an agreement. Uh, I guess let's just cut to it then. I am Quartz. I am a sentient crystal, currently shoved directly into the brain of one who was previously known as Leonard. He was a 
young man who agreed to let the wizard into his brain to save his hamlet. Good kid. They all liked him. Were proud of him. Thankful, even. Turns out having a wizard who can till the soil and move rivers can save a farming community. Oh, but I don't know how to live with people. I mean, not really. I can fake it well enough. I'm pretty sure it was a human who accidentally created me. I don't know it was an accident. I... Here I am rambling. <laughs> I guess I'm just... I'm just wondering if there's anyone else like me out there. I, I've met other animated objects, you know, sentient bits of rocks and wands that tell jokes, and none of them are quite as aware of themselves as I am, I, if that makes sense. I speak to you with the voice of a man, but at, at some point this body will no longer function, and I will have to move on. Without Leonard's eyes... I cannot see. Without his mouth, the only way one can communicate with me is by touching me, the crystal. And that means if Leonard dies, I will wait until someone else touches me to have anything other than my thoughts. And that's something that other wizards keep saying they know about. They keep telling me about that time they accidentally fell asleep for a decade, or when they accidentally trapped themselves inside a silver dagger for a generation or two. <laughs> I've been at the bottom of a ravine for 150 years, with nothing but my thoughts, waiting for some curious child to come pick out the shiny rock in the pile. Those other wizards haven't. I, I mean, I'm sure every wizard worth a damn has been isolated at some point. Being the crazy old elf who lives in the woods where we don't let the children play. I'm sure anyone listening to this will have been a ghost story somewhere to someone. But I keep, I keep finding it, wherever I go. They start, they start so appreciative. Everyone loves the person who can help. Everyone loves the person who's making the crops grow. But after the problem is just a memory, but they still have to look at one who they used to know, they realize they've lost their Leonard, their dear, brave Leonard. <laughs> I keep asking for him back. What's to become of me? I get put in a box for safekeeping, <laughs> just in case. Have you ever been called a cursed item? I have. I have.
I don't think I am a cursed item. Cursed items don't feel doubt. I don't think they would feel remorse. I don't think they would feel lonely. I don't know. Maybe that made sense to someone who heard it. If anybody else knows what that feels like, well, you heard me through this seashell, I'm sure you can find it. I'll keep it on me. Hope to hear from you soon. Why, snaps and algae for you, little crab. Oh, listeners, you should have seen the way it sat on that little stool. Legs all dangling down. Oh, what a performance. <laughs> you know, Gorts, if it makes you feel any better, almost all any of us are at the end of the day is a consciousness jammed into the brain of a body that will one day die. Unless you're a lich. Or a sentient cloud. Or one of those trees between worlds that live quiet eternities in vegetal contemplation. Smug bastards. All high and mighty with their photosynthesis and their strome of the infinite. But most of us, as I was saying, so, courts, uh, no, I, I don't think you're a cursed item. We all feel alone some of the time. Or more than some of the time, if, for example, you're trapped in a crystal prison between worlds. We have a lot more in common than you think, and someday you'll find a real friend. Maybe a man's head jammed inside of a stone. Now that would really be something. But nothing I can do now. So let's take some of that mineral mojo and see what it does to Cupid. <laughs> Oil. Cupid, you look buff as hell. The only problem is, I don't think you can fly, what with being made out of tons and tons of stone. Well, it'll have to do. After all, that's all of our wizard hats for this episode. And Postocles still hasn't shown up. Well, Postocles, how long have you been there? Oh, oh you've got your sign up. Let's see. I got here around when your owl changed into a gargoyle. When did you get an owl? Well, it's a long story, Postocles, but that's my dear Cupid. Anyhow, I need to ask you for directions to where you get your mail, so that I might use whatever vortex or portal or mail truck that's there to escape from this damned void. Oh, your cue card changed again. Oh, sure, I'll write up some directions and send them in there after I drop off this wizard ad. Why, thank you! That's so... Wait, another wizard ad? But I've already done four. This is unprecedented. <laughs> Why, it's a little gecko. Oh, and it's got a megaphone and a little tag on its tail. This one is from Tim Gizzard, the lizard wizard. Oh, hello there. Uh, I'm Tim Gizzard, the Lizard Wizard. I uh, can speak to lizards. That's my main power. It's uh, it's Lizomancy. 
Um, I don't have any control over them beyond the fact that they can understand me. So I have about as much control over them as you might have control over a good friend. I ask, can ask them for help. I, I have a tendency to explain myself, over-explain myself sometimes, because people think, when they hear Lizum answer, they think, oh, that, that guy probably can control a lot of lizards. And that leads to misunderstandings, people asking me to help them with lizard infestations and what have you, and I really can't do anything in those situations beyond speak to the lizards that are infesting and find out what their what their deal is. Anyways, that's not neither here nor there. It's neither here nor there. My problem is that I have cold blood. I'm a cold-blooded wizard. Um, that's not related to the lizomancy. It's just a genetic thing. But I can not heat myself internally. I have to sit under a heat lamp or out in the sun if I want to maintain body temperature. So, uh, here's my problem. I'm good friends with my good pal, uh, Freeze King, uh, the, the ice man who lives down in the Freezy Kingdom. Uh, he's a great, he's a great guy. Uh, but we had a bit of a falling out recently. He's not answering my text messages, but he has my copy of John Wick 2 on Blu-ray. It's a fine Blu-ray. Many, it's got a lot of special features that I miss. I'd love to check back up on some director's commentary that I would like to enjoy. But I can't go to the Ice Kingdom by myself. I can't go myself because I'm cold-blooded. If I go to the Ice Kingdom, I'll turn into a freezy pop. And all of my best friends are lizards. So they also can't help me in that regard. They don't heat themselves. And they don't really have any way to impart body heat. So I'm... My only magical skill is speaking to lizards. So it's limited in that regard. So if anyone had any fire magic or just an, an unusually hot body, then that would be good for me. I could use it if someone were to help me. All I'm saying is come with me to the Frazy Kingdom speak to Freeze King with me. We'll, we'll hash things out. I'm empathetic. Um, but if you do that, if you help me out, I don't know, maybe we could become friends. But And if you want to see some of the extended commentary on John Wick 2, which is a fine film, uh, a lot of extended action sequences, and, and honestly, Keanu Reeves, he seems like a fine man. You don't see that very often. You feel like you see you see celebrities and you're like, oh, that, I can't relate to him. But weirdly, you feel like he could. Keanu Reeves feels like he's just, he's just sort of fallen into it, you know? And I know he's worked hard, but for some reason he gives off that vibe. He seems like a, like a common man you could per perhaps have a normal conversation with. Like, he might, you might be like, oh, I'm a big fan of TGI Fridays, and you feel like he might also be he might also have an appetizer that's his favorite, maybe the potato skins. It's neither here nor there. I have a tendency to over-explain myself sometimes. Uh, so, I'm looking... Wizard seeking wizard. I'm seeking a collaborator with either fire magic or a hot body. Not necessarily a sexy body, but a hot one. It runs hot. 
that could perhaps accompany me to the Frazy Kingdom, and we could maybe make friends with each other along the way, but mostly we can get my copy of John Wick 2 on Blu-ray, and then we could keep it. Anyways, uh, that's it for me. Tim Gizzard, the Lizard Wizard, uh, thank you for letting me bend your ear. <laughs> thank you so much, Wizard Seeking Wizard. I love your show. I've loved it for my entire life. So, thank you for that. This is Tim Gizzard, the Lizard Wizard, signing off then. Alright, <laughs> alright, goodbye. Alright, goodbye now. Tim, you've loved the show your whole life? How long has this been airing? How long have I been in here? Does time flow differently out there? Or have I just lost track? Or, well, not to be rude, but do you perhaps have a very short lifespan? Uh, is it even worth responding to this? Well, let's hope so. Or, you know, rip. Hmm. Awkward. Well, you probably wouldn't over-explain so much if your time was limited, right? I, I, I choose to believe that. In any case, let's see what we can do with these reptilian reverberations. Uh, Cupid? Whoa, 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 whoa! Cupid, no! Stop growing! That's too big! Your wings are so leathery and huge. Cupid? Cupid, I think you might be becoming a dragon. Stop that! There's not enough room in here for a dragon. Oh, 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 my show! I need to reverse this. A book, a, a counterspell. Coming, Dad. Here goes nothing. It worked! He's shrinking! Oh, thank Merlin! Wait, he looks different. Cupid, buddy, are you okay? Oh no. Cupid, the spell! It didn't reverse, right? You're a pigeon. Thank you for listening to Wizard Seeking Wizard. Want to see your favorite wizard from this episode go on a date? Vote for them using the link in our show notes or on our Twitter at Wiz4Wiz, which will be open for one week after this airs. This is a community project made to give people something fun to do during our long isolations. All wizards were written and performed by the person portraying them. This episode was written by Max Kreisky and Mark Camposano. In this episode... Jeffrey Pelton was Fredegar of the 100,000 Tomes. Jeff also makes the podcast This Is Why We're Like This, where he and his co-host Julie watch and unpack a movie from their guest's childhood to explain why they are the way they are. Grant was Zortho the Unkillable. Grant is part of the Six Feets Under actual play podcast, GMing their Mouse Guard campaign, among other appearances. He is launching a new show, Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die, later this month. A podcast where he and a friend watch JoJo's Bizarre Adventure together. You can find him discussing these and his many other projects on Twitter at Jen underscore 
Ironicus. That's G-E-N underscore I-R-O-N-I-C-U-S. Raven Squires was Eugior Hoskins. Raven would like to promote their store, ravenxsquire.bigcartel.com, their Twitch, twitch.tv backslash okcool, and their Twitter and Instagram at okhelloraven. Josh Michelle was Quartz. You can find him on Instagram at The Socialist. That's spelled with an E-S-T rather than an I-S-T. You get it. It's, it's a play on words. He's very social. And he's a socialist. Jake Eisenhart was Tim Gizzard, the Lizard Wizard. You can find Jake on Twitter at Jake underscore Eisenhart. They also make the podcast Al's Pals, about a weapons AI interviewing humanity to find out if we're worth saving. Our theme song was written and performed by Mess and Finesse Studios in Somerville. You can find them on Twitter at Mess Plus Finesse. Our logo was designed by Julie Benbasset. You can find her on Instagram at T underscore four underscore JBass. That's J-B-A-S-S. Or on Twitter at Art underscore of underscore JBass. I'm Max Kreisky, and I play Kimistro the Match Mage. I also did the sound design for this episode. If you've been enjoying Wizard Seeking Wizard and want to help make the show sustainable, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash whizforwiz. Thank you again. We'll see you next time here on Wizard Seeking Wizard. trying to escape. Well, we'll have to see about that. <laughs>